Hello and welcome to Two Pre-Sales in a Pod, your authentic global voice for the pre-sales and buyer enablement world. And we have some fun along the way too. So thanks for joining us and don't forget to find out our top tips on today's topic at the end. Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Pre-Sales in a Pod, episode 68. Enjoyed by myself, Adam Freeman and Mark Green. Hi, Mark. Hello, Adam. Hello, everybody. Hello. And we've got a special guest, Ian Merry today. So, Ian, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Um, do you want to introduce yourself to, to people so I don't butcher you know, the job of doing it? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Um, I've been a long-time listener uh, and I'm a big fan of, of the series. I think you've helped a lot of people out there. Uh, you certainly helped me on my journey. Uh, so my name's Ian Murray. I am the global head of pre-sales for IdeaGen. Brilliant. And kind of while we get into it, I think one of the we were talking just before we hit record, and one of the things we don't always do is talk about people's pathway to leadership. And the topic of today's episode is going to be about leadership, mobility of talent, identification and readiness. But I think what would be a really great place to start is your journey to pre-sales leadership, because we just started to talk about it, and it was, it was genuinely very interesting. So is that something you're kind of happy to share with people, Ian? Yeah, sure. Um, hopefully I don't bore people. But um, So I, I started out in early 2000 as a first-line technical support person, and I hadn't really got a broad background in technology. Uh, I've done the usual fixing of granddad's computer etc but um I, I really didn't know what i was doing uh, i fell within a company that were very supportive it was a very very young company and we grew it to a point where we could sell it uh you know 13 years on um and and i got into a position of being the operations director for that business but um one of the things that we were talking about was like people's journeys and different sizes of businesses and how they deal with their solutions consulting and and pre-sales requirement and i think what what is quite often a real story is that pre-sales is often somebody a part of somebody's job when you first start out in a very small organization so even as the ops director i was uh, the technical support i was a technical pre-sales consultant and the md was the the, the salesperson okay um it's not a scalable model right i had a whole operation to run a growing business um you know the first year i think we turned over two hundred and fifty thousand, and i left there we were turning over six mil right so you can't be doing both things so you you start thinking about well how am i going to meet the demands of that business right i didn't even know what pre-sales was back then i was just told right we need somebody to come and show us this system right so i'm listening and learning i'm listening to what the buying audience needs and you know something intuitive in me was kind of like coming up with these solutions and obviously biasly marrying it back to the application that we were providing um and and that that was that that's how i got started um and you know, I ended up training up other solutions engineers underneath me. We called them engineers at that time because, again, we needed many of them, but they also had to contribute to the overall running and the, the maintenance of, of what we were doing. Uh, and, and when that buyout happened and I had my earn out from that business and I, I, I kind of said, I don't really know what to do with myself. Um, and someone said, oh, you're a business analyst, right? That's what you do. You go in, you understand the business's requirements, you come up with, with 
fixes problems, if solutions can solve it. I'm like, mm. they're like, yeah, but that's a sales role that we're talking about. I, like, I don't want to work in sales. I'm an engineer. And then I think I, that's the next job is where I started my journey of kind of realizing my commercial brain because I, I went in a relatively senior position and I think you you would both agree as relatively senior people in your in your own organizations the higher you go the more aligned you are to the outcomes of that business which is revenue and growth etc and it started growing that part of my brain so from day one when I went in I was thinking scale and growth where are we going to be in two or three years time and how do I get that because as a pre-sales consultant or a solutions engineer it's not a quick ramp to success is it right it's time served equals mastery so you've got to plant those seeds earlier on and you're almost looking at the pool of talent you've got internally and you're also thinking about where you need to be externally my second position i hadn't got that whole you know wider business awareness and until i fell into you know i was acquired actually at that point again very happily uh, by idea gen who i work for now and they've helped develop that side of it so that's really a really interesting path into pre-sales um i shout out to another podcast path to path to pre-sales go and have a look it up um i'm sure we'll all be on there at some point but I, you must get people asking you ian you know you've you've become responsible for a large part of pre-sales in an organization um very successful at it if people are looking to grow into similar places, um, what advice would you have for them in how to work out what they want and where they're going to go? And then I know we want to talk a little bit about how to shape organizations to build that management structure as well. But what would your be advice at the start for people looking upwards at the different possibilities? Oh, that's a great question, Mark. Um, and we could probably talk about that all day, right? <laughs> but it, it comes down to an individual's desire, right? Um, I'm not one of these leaders that will promote somebody for the sake of promoting them, right? I would rather pay people what they are worth. And actually, I think we need to recognize, right? Um, there's a fork in the road. You can either become that principal consultant that domain expert and there's nothing wrong with that in fact it's essential when you get into larger enterprise businesses that have multiple business lines a wide portfolio of products you need to have your domain experts because when it boils down to it how we've all started we were able to meet the outcomes and demands of our buying audience and the only reason we can do that is because we understand that landscape right but as a enterprise business we also have our own needs right we we need to have people man managing people managing okay and and those people have needs themselves they, they've got development needs right they might not know some of those development needs or they might have aspirations of how they want to grow but we we recognize those needs and it's only right and proper that we nurture them because they deliver back to the business right what we invest is what what we get back so my advice is for anybody looking at leadership is actually work out what you want. If it's money, okay, have an honest and open conversation with the organization that you work at, right? And, and understand what value you bring to the table because we will always need the main expertise. 
okay? And there is no reason why a principal consultant shouldn't be paid the same as a management level. They're two different roles and jobs. I think you're hitting on a really important point here. We're going to go on. So if you listen to this thinking, you know, we spoke about readiness, we're going to move on to kind of readiness and mobility of talent in, in a moment. There's one quick thing I think this is really important to call out here is something I made a really conscious decision around when I stepped into leadership, that I had a really good mentor that said, you know, as you progress to leadership, you've got to remember you're leaving a bit of the job behind in a way to pursue leadership because, you know, I'm I'm now leading leaders and I feel very, very privileged to, to have that responsibility. But the two things are the responsibility for those people. There's a hundred or whatever mortgages that depend on you making really good decisions. And that's that's something I take very personal, the development of talent that people trust you as a leader and you've got to pay that pay that back and look after your people. But also, I'm very rarely doing a demo anymore. Very rarely. I will do one a quarter to keep myself relevant, but I'm not demoing five, six, seven, eight times whatever number you, you know, you're demoing. You're not overly doing the job that you're leading necessarily, right? And I don't know how you feel, Ian, but that is a really conscious decision people have got to make, right, going into leadership. It is, Adam, and this is that fork in the road, right? So like yourself, I'm now managing aspiring leaders. I, I think you know, the organisation I work for, a little bit behind where, where you've got to, uh, but we're on the same trajectory. And actually, this is a question that I poise at people, but I also have to live by my own words. Yeah. What are you doing to keep yourself relevant? What do you do to keep yourself sharp? Okay. So only this morning was I on a call. Now, I've never been a front-end solutions consultant. Um, not really. You know, my background was in the technical pre-sales arena. And, and I've supported those conversations in very large organizations uh, and very small organizations, right? But if you don't keep on top of your A game, it, you're letting yourself and the organization you work for down, right? And that personal growth, that CPD, this is something that I say to the solutions consultants that work for me, and I'm not just trying to position your podcast in this. We've got the pre-sales collective. We've got the, the path to pre-sales that Mark called out earlier on. Those resources didn't exist when I was on my journey, right? And I'm still on a journey, but in those formative years, I didn't have those outside views. A lot of, you know, and Adam, we've, we've spoke before, a lot of the ideas that I've heard you come with, I thought, I came up with that idea first, right? But I didn't. I don't know if I did or not, but I'd come up with that idea because fundamentally, we are solutions consultants. There is a problem. How are we going to solve that problem? You do your options analysis. You look at how best to fit that. It doesn't matter whether that's an external prospect that you're selling to or whether that's the organization that you work for. I know we're going to go on to what do you look for within the, the team? Do you promote within or do you go externally? They're the same conversations that you're having with yourself. Okay, this is a problem. How do we go about fixing it? You've just got a different customer. I think that's a really, really good point. And I think it leads us nicely. Let's go into the kind of make versus buy. But before we answer that specific or kick that idea around, how do you actually recognize that you're ready to take leads on? Because, you know, a lot of people, especially in growth organizations here, there'll be people listening to us on the corporate and the scale where they're walking into a structure with IC levels that go to leadership levels and you're 
next 10 years is all mapped out for you if that's what you want. And that's wonderful. There's a lot of people listening to this podcast that aren't even identified as pre-sales in the organization, the roles like what you had early in your career, right? How do you recognize as a leader that's responsible for putting leadership structures in place that that's the right thing to do? So it, it comes down to demand of the organization you work for, right? So if you if you've only got 10 salespeople that you're supporting, you don't need an extensive hierarchy of solutions engineers, right? It's over engineering the the actual you know function that's meant to be supporting that co-pilot in the sales process, right? When you start to develop larger organizations, and so we've made a shift to a, a matrix style uh organization then actually you, you you have to question yourself what is the value and purpose of putting a leadership role at that point in your map okay what benefit is that delivering to the business and to that individual right because you can you can still grow people without necessarily giving them the responsibility and the burden you know, and the challenges which are exciting to those that want to grow into those challenges, you, you can do that through development programs without putting them out there, right? Actually, it comes down to an individual requirement as well. What do you as an individual want for yourself? We, we, we often talk about what's next for a pre-sales consultant. What's next? Um, I'm at the top of my game, I, I go to every deal and I'm, I'm always applauded and you know celebrated for what i deliver and it, it gets tired doesn't it after a bit of a time it's like the rock star that's always selling out right but actually that's a mindset piece you need to keep yourself sharp you need to keep looking at what tooling is out there how can you be more efficient right and that starts to grow that strategic side of your brain and if that excites you that's the time to think i want to step up and from the leadership looking down if you can recognize that in individuals with how they contribute to meetings how they contribute to the success story of your revenue growth yeah how they come up with ideas to contribute to that then those are the people that you know you want to start having an honest conversation about the fork in the road and are you ready to walk away from that principal level position and do you want to take that next challenge for yourself well, I think you're right. It, it, it's important to look both um, what the company needs, but also what the propensity of each individual is to change and in different directions. I've seen it many times when someone's got what they thought was a promotion into somewhere that they hate and uh, and then just don't get it fulfilled. They don't get to demo anymore. And they may not have realized how much that's tied into how much they they value themselves and what they bring and what they enjoy. I think when it comes to managers both moving from team leader positions into management, but then management and then further on um, to manage other managers, I think it's important to find people that are willing to let go, like you say, of the things that have made them so successful that they're perhaps now being looked at for the next role. And they must let go of some for the next people to look after them. And if they're willing to do that, then fine. But if not, it's always going to be a bit grating. So I think I think you've you've hit on a really good point there. That willingness to let go, 
but it's also trust, isn't it? Right. So as a solutions consultant, our special power is the fact that we are relied on and that we can go in and deliver value within that sales process, right? Or retention process, right? Because actually I, I dislike the term pre-sales quite a lot at the moment because it, of, of what it means in its words. And I keep talking about solutions consulting um, because we, we should be working both to attract new revenue into the business, but also to retain the revenue that we've got. And I think working both sides of that, working closer with our customer functions and developing those relationships. And, you know, I've, I've implemented sales enablement. We've got salespeople who do the initial demo. I'd love to see the customer success team be at that level to be able to do that within my organization. But it's that willingness to let go, right? And it's a trust factor, you know, I recently took on somebody to deal with all the technical infosec bid questionnaires that we get through. You know, I'm a very flighty individual sitting there answering those questions on a spreadsheet. You know, at the time, I knew it was part of what I had to do to get where I needed to, but I knew that it wasn't what I wanted for myself out of a career. I was so lucky to find somebody who absolutely loves answering questions like that. He, he, he lives for it, right? But did I trust him to do the job to the standard that I did? And the answer was no. I was hypercritical. And it, it gets to a point where it's like, well, actually, you know, we're, we're not building furniture here. We don't need to be millimeter perfect, right? I need to trust. I need to let go and let that person go and do that piece, right? And I'm now seeing that within the pre-sales leaders that I'm developing, where they've been that domain expert, that principal consultant. It's like, yeah, but this is a really, really big deal. And if we don't get it, and and that's a tough choice, isn't it? Because you know you're in the spotlight because you are leading that function, but also you've got to develop those people. So what mechanisms do you put in place to learn to trust that next generation? I think that's the point I'm making here. Well, I'll offer one, um, and, and it was not my. This is, this is not my. This is not my idea. It was uh, sage advice handed down to me when I when I used to get frustrated. You know, as a leader, you want the opportunity to grow people, and if you expect them to be delivering a hundred percent as you would, there's nowhere for them for the, for you to help them grow, and you also don't want to create an exact replica of yourself. They're going to grow in their own way, so that letting go and trusting that even though you're letting it go, you know that the people are going to do it to 70, 80% of what you could do. So you're going to see things happen that are not as good as you could do, but you have to be okay with going, that is their learning opportunity that I also used to work through and I'm going to let them have that. So my personal journey, actually, when I did learn to let go, that individual exceeded what I was able to deliver. Oh, that's great. Love okay. And, so, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that because that recognition of an individual and what they bring to the table, don't get me wrong, there's still, you know, development. I still need development. You, nobody gets to the top of their game and, and as, as that's it, you've completed it. You've completed that computer game. There's nowhere else to you. We can continue to grow. And that's bringing back to that principal consultant role. There's no shame in not going down a management route and, and, and remaining 
remaining is the wrong word, continually evolving in that position and, and delivering value time and time again to every operation that you, you support. I've, I've, I've got to agree with you here, Ian, because I think my job as a leader, I look at my team and tell them, I love my team. I'm not just saying that because one of them might be listening. Like, genuinely, I love the team we've built. And he the does. reason He's I love that team we've built, <laughs> they've, they've allowed me to do what I need to do in the org because they are so much better at doing the pre-sales bit than I was. But I take pride in that we've created this environment that they can flourish and be that. And we all know what we're meant to be doing. It's one team. I don't overly believe in hierarchy necessarily. Um, I believe in respect. I don't believe in in strict hierarchy. And we have this structure where they they can just thrive. And I take no greater pride in my life. I mean, Rob Dean, who works with me, I'm going to call him out here because he will listen, but he referred to it when we when we connected as he said, you know, I need to be the picture frame. They need to be the picture as in terms of leadership. And I thought, what a beautiful way to summarize the role of a leader. You're there to hold it together. To nobody goes to a beautiful painter and says, Look at that picture frame, isn't it wonderful? Like it's, it's not. It's got function. It's got purpose. It's there to 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 be functional. And I, I think that's a really important mentality for a leader to have, right? Absolutely agree with you. I mean, I was only on a call earlier today, uh, and I was watching one of my technical pre-sales consultants deliver a message, and we we had a bit of feedback session afterwards. And I, I you know, I absolutely applauded her. Um, I said, I wouldn't have been able to do that, not to that level. You've put so much time and energy into being prepped and ready, okay? There were some areas for development, as, as there always are, right? And, and I'm sure, you know, my boss was, you know, my boss's boss was actually in the room. I'm sure I'll get a message back of areas of development, etc. you know, because that's the kind of organisation that I work for. It's about that continued growth message. And actually, as an individual, you've got to be happy to take that on. But seeing those, you know, I've got principal uh, pre-sales consultants managing teams of pre-sales consultants. Seeing some of the ways that they tackle some of the challenges that I went through, I'm thinking they handled that a lot more sophisticated than I did back in the day. So just moving into the kind of last, we're probably up to about last seven or eight minutes. I think we could talk about these topics all day, but I think there's something really important we should kick around. Two things, really. One is the, the quality and characteristics that the modern pre-sales team you're looking for in it, you know, in a modern leader, not a micromanager, a modern leader, and kick that around. But before we do, I just want to get your views on the whole make your own versus buying in leadership talent, right? Because that's a debate that I don't know a single pre-sales leader I've ever connected with that doesn't have that debate with pretty much every role that comes up, right? So, I mean, what what goes through your mind when you identify you need a role, Ian, and then you sit there and go, right, is this going to market? Is this an internal promotion? Because they are very, very different routes, right? They are, right? So it's time. Time is the factor there, right? How soon do you need that person or individual in, in, a, in a readiness position, okay? Um, and some of that's through your own strategic planning because you know the direction of travel for the business, the organization that you work for, you know what you need to deliver by X point, and you know the consequences of not delivering that, okay? Um, and sometimes time is afforded, right? So you can start those conversations early on and the nurturing, and, you know, from my own personal experiences, I bought a disparate collection of solutions consultants together, 
okay that we're, we were a very kind of sales group-led organization at that point and and we've taken the decision collectively as a business that actually there's there's going to be pre-sales actually should be that co-pilot in the sales process and we need to elevate that within the business and um our cro at the time is now our coo he was a massive advocate of that and really support mentored and really pushed that through um and that proliferated through the sales organization which helped those individuals realize their emerging leadership voice yeah okay rather than that subservient um view that we, we often hear actually through you know the, the forums on the pre-sales collective etc etc you know that, that whole transition of realizing the benefit of pre-sales or solutions engineering within the sales process so yeah i, I think you know your modern leader comment you know what what are we looking for um obviously it's time for delivering our need as a as a, as a leader of a, of, a, of a business you know how soon do we need people in readiness that will impact my decision whether to look externally or look at where the people within my team are um and there have been some very honest open examples where i've gone external okay and that's because we needed time uh you know time to ramp really short okay so i i lost a, a consultant in a particular area they've moved on to another function within the business uh retention's really good where we are but you know people move on they have their own career aspirations it might not have been the right time for my organization to deliver what that individual needed okay um so i needed the main expert in a particular area so i will look externally because we we might not have that internally but within the leadership council of you know the, the various business lines we have elected to look internally um we we have grown individuals so um one last question from me before we wrap up with some actionable insights some wonderful takeaways is um of course something sometimes you have to do things quickly and react but where given the opportunity how far ahead do you do succession planning so how 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 far into the future are you, do you do succession planning both for yourself and the roll down effect of that in in your teams as as much as i can within budgetary constraints i think it's the fairest thing to say you know i think if if given the option you'd plan for you know nuclear fallout right but you've, <laughs> you've got to kind of recognize where you are as a business and what you have to achieve as a business as well so it's about actually looking at how can you augment that experience and you know that's looking at external tooling it's looking at better ways of getting a message out to, to to your buying audience it's about making sure you're using the resource that you have in the right way in the most beneficial way for a business but you've also got continuity if if that person's off sick can you carry on can that operation carry on running so that's the level that i go to yeah that, that we've we've always got a way of of carrying on um our our solutions uh, responsibilities to the business so um i think we should go around the room 
because we've because we've covered i mean we've covered quite a few different topics we've gone all around sort of leadership and planning and 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 the reasons for it um ian why don't we start with you if we may um if you could wrap up one actionable insight a call to action for people to go and do do what they do but uh something innovative perhaps they've not tried and not had the confidence to do what would you suggest i would say as an individual no matter at what level you are within your solutions consulting journey, is think about growth. Yeah, we work for businesses, and businesses need to grow. Okay, that's a fundamental. So think about your journey. Think about how can you do more. What tooling is around you? What people do you need around you? What mentorship do you need around you in order to facilitate scalability? And I think when you start thinking like that, you start thinking like a leader. You you start engaging that commercial brain. It might not be direct revenue generation, but you're actually thinking of the cost of acquiring a customer, right? You're thinking about how you do that. And that is the kind of good source that will allow you to grow what you're doing. If you can present a, a business, an adequate business case that enables that growth in the right way for a business, then you, you're on the right track. Go on, Mark. I'm going to go after you because I need a minute to think I'm going to articulate my takeaway. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to give myself the room to think, which Good apparently idea. Be well, I got this in week. that case, I should probably say, so uh, my actionable insight, uh, the key takeaway, is a little bit like giving yourself the room the room to think. And following on from what Ian said about um be always be growing you know or i would say be intentional about where you want to grow don't just end up growing to the plate the next seat up or the next seat along sure they may be available at some point take them if you need to but be intentional take the time to think where you want to grow what you can bring and what you get out of it and try to find a way to make that incredibly valuable where you are um, and help your people do the same thing. You could have a whole load of people that are growing in place, into places that they don't want to do and you make your department implode in, in, in two years. Um, recognize that they need to grow in their own way and you might be pleasantly surprised. All right, I've thought about it now, I'm ready. So, um, I'm going to do my feedback in two under two lenses. I'm going to do it from a point of view of an individual. I'm going to put it from a point of view of a leader. If I tackle the individual first, if I look back at the qualities that Ian's talking about here, and I know from you, Mark, and, and myself, when we've the, the leaders that I connect with a lot, the common trait is that they're coachable, and I think that's not to be underestimated. You know, you you. You need to be coachable, and that's such an easy quality to say, and it's such a hard quality to define, but it's that ability to not only take feedback on and turn it into actions, it's to go and actively seek feedback. So if you are in a position where you desperately want to be a leader and you love the leadership element, go and make sure you're getting the feedback you need to create actions, okay, off the back of it, because otherwise it's just lip service, right? So to give feedback the respect it deserves, but be coachable. And the reminder to the leaders here is, there's a quote that I always used to, it, it hit me hard when I went into leadership, which was, um, you can plant the two most beautiful plants side by side in the same conditions, in the same soil, in the same environment, and they will both 
flower at different times. And I think that's such an important thing for leaders looking at people going, well, who's going to who's going to flower first? You'll see buds on a lot of different people. You don't necessarily who's, you know who's going to flower first, but make that environment so good that eventually everyone will flourish, everyone will flower. And I think that's my message back to leaders is we can be in such a rush to build the ultimate team that we miss what's right in front of us. So um, that's my feedback in two ways, and that's why I have to think about how to deliver that, that message. So I hope that lands. But, Ian, what I'd say is lovely to connect with you. I really enjoyed the conversation we had, and I think just a glimpse into your journey, into pre-sales, into leadership, into your mindset of how you run your team. Um, I know you're a very, very high-growth organization and just wish you the best of luck for the next step in your career. And thanks so much for sharing your time and experience with us. No, thank you. Thank you all for, for having me. Um, I never, ever thought I would be asked to partake in a podcast, okay? So this has been a first for me, and I hope it's not a last, and I hope I haven't bored the listening audience, but thank you for taking the time to have a listen. Well, it's wonderful not. to have you on. Uh, we we never thought we'd get such a such such a person as Ian Mary on the podcast. <laughs> so Adam, we've made it. We've got we've Mr. made Mary it. On. We're a destination uh, now. So <laughs> with that said and done, we're going to wrap out the show. We will be back very soon. We've had our we've had our recharge. We've had our reset, and we are back with a regular kind of two weekly interval now. So we will be hitting your airways very soon in your AirPods or wherever you're walking your dogs. Lovely to be back, Mark. Thanks ever so much. See you guys soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Two Pre-Sales in a Pod. We'd love to hear from you on LinkedIn.